Welcome to Trustonomics, a Web 4.0 podcast. Where our world's headed? What's going to happen in the future from what's happening today? What's happening out there with FTX, Twitter, crypto, the continuing meltdown of Facebook, Meta, and all the layoffs in Silicon Valley? A few days ago, Elon Musk said Twitter will begin manually authenticating blue, gold, and gray accounts as soon as next week. Blue check marks for people, gold for companies, and gray for governments. Let's talk about the color of the world. Colors aren't enough when it comes to this idea of authentication. Just a few years ago, when Wells Fargo was forced to pay a $3 billion fine for the bank's fake account scandal, that was driven by employees creating fake accounts. So when we have humans doing authentication, there's an inherent risk of violating the trust we can place in authentication. If it can be done with bank accounts, it certainly can be done with social media accounts. That's where we're at today with all of the markets buzzing, or should I say twittering, about the failure of FTX. Not to be left to the sidelines, madness at Twitter caused recently nearly 4,000 job losses at the firm. What's happening? We've got recessions. We've got worries about the massive interest rate hikes by major central banks. We've got mainstream media nonstop about this $30 billion FTX fail. A broken authentication model slipping along with Twitter revenues and rushed to the exit door right as Salesforce.com, where CEOs are exiting, including Slack founder Stuart Butterfield, Mark Nelson of Tableau, after Salesforce put in a whopping $32 billion plus into those companies. Silicon Valley and Wall Street losses exceed $10 trillion. The crypto market that started the avalanche of FTX has seen ongoing failures, and now BlockFi joins the ranks in bankruptcy. Is this the apocalypse, or is it business as usual? Is there a warning here to stay as far away from crypto and Wall Street and blockchain as possible? Or is it the long-heralded Wall Street saying, buy on fear, sell on greed? I guess that statement only makes sense if you can sell. And of course, being able to sell didn't hold up too well in the 1929 Great Crash or the 2008 crash at the beginning of the Great Recession, or during 2022, this year, during the great crypto meltdown and the great tech bubble burst. Selling isn't always an option. But what if, like those who sat on the sidelines, there's an opportunity? How would you find it? What is it? Is this the apocalypse or is this the future? That's what we're going to talk about today. Nathan Rothschild said, the time to buy is when there's blood on the streets. Warren Buffett's version is, be fearful when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are fearful. With blood on the streets, VCs that blew it, running for cover from FTX, the idea that crypto has killed the goose that laid the golden egg. What if 
it's more like Humpty Dumpty who sat on the wall and the golden eggs took a great fall. And all the kings of crypto and all the great resignation teams don't want to put Humpty back together again. Perhaps it's a start of a new era. How can you tell? Let's think about Humpty Dumpty for a minute. Humpty Dumpty's the king. The kings fight to preserve power. The fall is his defeat. And all the king's horses and all the king's men, the army that failed to prevail. Maybe today that's exactly what we have happening here. So let's take a little step back from all of this and look at the beginnings of digital. Let's go from print to digital for just a minute to look at why this is a fundamental shift and not the apocalypse. There was a pronounced shift from the digital media in the first two decades of this century. The total estimated weekly circulation of daily newspapers was about 60 million in 2000, and by 2020, it had dropped to less than half that. 24 million. The circulation slid. Newspaper publishers' revenues was less than half of what it was in 2002. It was 46.2 billion in 2002. It was 22.1 billion, according to the statistics from the U.S. Census Bureau. There was about a 27.8 decrease in revenue from 2002 to 2010 and a 33.6 decrease from 2010 to 2020, increasing decreases. Periodical publishing dropped from 40 billion, 40.2 billion to 23.9 billion in 2020. There was a 20.7 revenue decline from 2002 to 2010, an eight-year period, and a 25% decrease from 2010 to 2020. And finally, in the videotape and disc rental, revenue was about one-ninth of what it was in 2002 at $9.4 billion. 35.3% revenue drop from 2002 to 2010, and by 2010 to 2020, almost wiping out the entire industry at an 82% decrease. So the total of newspapers, journals, and video in that era was about $95.8 billion. So was that the apocalypse? It was for the version of media that was being portrayed. But now let's look at what happened, what actually happened. Today, we hear about Twitter every day. The market cap of Twitter was around $41.09 billion. So Musk came in and paid $40 billion, so basically bought at the top of the market. 90% of its $5.1 billion in revenues were ads. Google's market cap, in the meantime, in 2022, is $1.217 trillion dollars with about 209.5 billion US dollars in ad revenue. Facebook meta market cap, $562 billion in 2022 on around 84.4 billion in revenues. Finally, Netflix, 138.07 billion market cap on revenues of about 29.7 billion.
So let's put that in perspective. That's around $2 trillion in market cap and around $328.69 billion in annual revenues. The annual revenues of the new media market is over triple of what the entire revenue base of media before technology was. So when we put the old school newspapers and ad industries into perspective, the traditional model was worth less than 5%, not even $100 billion of what this new industry that emerged through technology has been able to achieve. Great shifts in technology mean great shifts in economics. And if it looks like the apocalypse, quite often it's the biggest opportunity you'll ever see in a lifetime. Let's have a look at what all of this means with an interesting evolution from technology to the businesses it creates and why what we've seen from blockchain, crypto, certainly FTX, and Twitter are just snippets into the future of where the economic multi-trillion dollar evolution will come from beyond the media hype. I'm Tim Vasco, founder of Bloxers, and this is the beginning of the era of Trustonomics. In my podcast, I'll tell you why, how, and where the next great economies will unfold, what will drive them, and how history forms the basis for the future. Let's step back to 1987. There was a market crash that shook the foundation of the financial markets. It was termed Black Monday, and I remember it well. It was the first ever crash driven by technology. It was created by program trading and investor panic. Just a few years later, the Sam Bankman Freed of the day was a guy named Nick Leeson. He took down Barings Bank, which was a bank that was founded in 1762 when over a billion in losses shook the market. Queen Elizabeth II was one of the clients. Take some comfort that FTX and Twitter are not outlier events. They're predictable derivative events as markets begin to realize that there are always two sides to the fundamentals that are being created. Merton Miller was a Nobel Prize winner for his co-authored work on the theory of financial economics, known as the Modigliani Miller Theorem, which states that the market value of a company is correctly calculated as the present value of its future earnings and its underlying assets, and it's independent of its capital structure. Thinking about that for a moment, what we've created is this new idea of capital structures through a proof that was brought about by Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto. To understand in real terms, we'll cover in a bit how Elon keeps going on this theory in the face of his three-quarter of a trillion dollar losses that are mounted on top of his Twitter challenge. In his 1997 book, Merton Miller on Derivatives, Miller wrote 
that derivatives always have two sides, a long and a short. At all times, the positions cancel. The gains and the losses simply represent what economists call pure transfers of wealth. Between the parties, Miller believed that economic crises, crashes in financial markets are not exogenous calamities like earthquakes. They're policy disasters due to the deliberate actions of a central bank overreacting to its previous policy errors in the other direction. The economics of technology and the future are fascinating connect-the-dots opportunity and observation. Blockchain, implemented and used correctly, holds this critical key to how the world will unlock future values from work to distributed wealth. This lesson, in a nutshell, is an illustration of where we're at today. Let's explore why and how we can know what will unfold to create the next big opportunities, just like going from print to digital media. Media didn't go away. During dot-com, after the infamous crash, the internet wasn't broken. It was the hype and hysteria, fabricated dreams that were broken. But it was just getting started. Less than 10% of the world's population was online. Today, over 63% are online with over 5 billion people connecting. During 2008, just eight years later after dot-com, the real estate and lending market crashed. Real estate and lending didn't go away. It was the hype, the hedging, the derivatives, the hysteria, the hidden agendas of the banking communities and traders that crash the markets. Real estate transformation trends and lending were abused. The value of real estate in the mortgage market peaked by 2008 due to the easy money frenzy that crashed the global economy. Today we see it again. From the free money stimulus packages that were handed out during the pandemic, we now have this tightening of interest rates, this economic cycle, but it's different. Federal and fiscal policies are what are driving the constriction or recessionary trends we're seeing versus fraud at the banking level, which gave a rise back in 2008 to this new fundamental started by Bitcoin, which no one knew back then when it was just 50 cents. That whole era of 2008 drove blockchain, crypto, and fintech market emergence. Fintech, as a real use case, today is about $112.5 billion industry projected to grow to $332.5 billion by 2028, about 20% growing at about 20% a year. So during the 1990s and in 2008, these emerging new business models of digital advertising, money lending and finance were just the beginning of an era. Media and real estate weren't broken, fintech and blockchain were being born.
During this time, it was the abuse of the systems and the fraud and accounting and the forgery of financial deals became apparent. The underlying trend was that we were emerging into this new era of opportunities to create a new type of system for monetization, for markets, and for finance. During 2017, the markets took off with crypto. It hit a peak of about $110 billion. By 2022, just five years later, the market hit $3 trillion. That's bigger than the entire market cap. Google, Facebook, Twitter, Netflix combined that we just talked about in the digital media industry in just five years. Fantastic swings that when we back up a little bit, start becoming predictable. The difficult trip is to sift through and find the next era winners. The foundation of that today is Trustonomics. One VC recently said about FTX. It's hard to tell when founders can't be identified as lying through his teeth at you in speaking about Sam Bankman-Fried. Smart guys like Bankman-Fried who is telling a lie, Charles Ponzi and others we know like Bernie Madoff and Elizabeth Holmes. The list of great storytellers have driven trillions in ruins. Eventually, the Tower of Babel is going to crumble. It's a race to get in, it's a race to get out with a profit and leave the rest of the world holding the bag in shambles. Fundamentals versus fabrications, factors versus fantastic stories. Venture capitals love the fantastic stories and the outspoken media attention. Going back to Merton Miller and the Modigliani Miller theorem, the present value of a firm is based on its underlying assets. It's independent of its capital structure. Meaning that if the underlying asset is its functional technology and that technology gets adopted, the present value of the firm is significant. The problem with an FTX with the crypto space is there was no underlying asset. It was all hype, speculation, and trading. The economic models didn't have any chance of holding up. Let's look at what blockchain actually is in the world. Blockchain presented for the first time the opportunity to build the world's computer. It presented a way that we could remove this idea of centralized control into a decentralized model of digital access and opportunity. That isn't the first time this has occurred. If we look at the first generation of computers, you can relate that to the idea first generation computers 
were inaccessible to anybody but the most wealthy of corporate organizations. In the second generation, from 1956 to the early 1960s, the world saw transistors start to replace vacuum tubes through Bell Labs' invention that actually was conceived and designed in 1947. But it didn't actually get to widespread use until the late 1950s. Computers were still big, but this generation of computers had advances like magnetic core memories, magnetic tape, and magnetic disk. The cost was coming down. So looking at these first two generations of computer hardware, we can start making the correlation between Web 1.0, very much like vacuum tubes, and Web 2.0, where costs came down and access took started to expand. The system capable of performing any logical step or computational function. It was the early stages of the blockchain work that enabled Turing's theory established by Alan Turing, who in 1936 developed the idea of the universal Turing machine, the basis for the first computer. These early stages of Turing's work included in the 1950 experiments with artificial intelligence and identification of certain elements such as the halting problem, which we'll talk about at another time. When we look at blockchain and the evolution of Web 1, 2, 3, we've evolved making things that weren't possible with just the Bitcoin network any more than they were possible with vacuum tubes. The key to all of this evolution in computers was the chip inside. When Intel began mass producing, the microprocessor chip was the first time we saw widespread distribution. Interestingly, it wasn't Intel who had the patent on the microprocessor. In fact, it was Texas Instruments, and eventually Intel had to pay a license fee. Start by understanding how the microprocessor brought the fourth generation we are in today of computing. When we think about Web 4.0, things like being Turing complete, can do anything, solving this computer science halting problem, which is a problem of moderation. And when you think about Web 3.0, you think about big rooms of machines creating these blocks. What if those are no longer relevant? The beginning of creating a different model of blockchain that started moving away from these big rooms and essentially these big computer companies that own all of this power. It's very similar to the way hardware emerged. Web 4.0 is a Turing complete machine. It's got the halting problem moderation solved. The idea of the microprocessor embedded that contains the things the microprocessor was capable of. The arithmetic 
logic, and control circuitry that were required to perform the functions of the computer's central processing unit all in one. The microprocessor was multipurpose. The problem with crypto, with Bitcoin, with all of the tokens is they weren't programmable. They weren't Turing complete. They were not multipurpose. The blockchain underlying them evolved into a model that was multipurpose. So once we look at that, we start to see that the fourth generation of the internet will be like the microprocessor. Before the microprocessor, it was absolutely absurd to consider adding any computer to a product. Now, we wouldn't think of building anything without this embedded computing device in it. From our watches, to our cars, to the lights in our homes, to our thermostats, to our phones, to whatever, we're embedding intelligence and its connectivity. We've created this new model, a secure virtual space, a distributed world computer. We put a component inside like a microprocessor chip. That is what a programmable token is. That is what we created and patented when we created the BlockCert's BCERT token. BCERT inside. That's why we say be certain. It relies on elements of this idea of being Turing complete. It relies on this idea of solving the halting problem and of being capable of being mass distributed to solve or run any need that is digital. Intel computer chips became worth about 79 billion US dollars in global annual revenue by 2021. Its research and development expenditures were more than 20% of its overall revenue. The semiconductor industry reached more than half a trillion dollars worldwide. These critical components are projected to grow at a rate of over 26% a year. When we start comparing physical chips to the computer industry, it's quite obvious. What isn't quite so obvious because the Bitcoin and all the tokens weren't used as Turing complete machines or programmable is that that component we see today is a virtual chip. That virtual chip is the BCERT token, the way we designed it for this idea of trust, truth, and transparency. When we get back to what's happening, the hype and media, FTX really missed the boat on using blockchain at all. They were centralized. That's why you have one individual who can be pointed at. 
It's no different than Enron, which was a $74 billion fail in 2001. Interestingly, one of the workout experts of Enron is now the workout expert at FTX, or the Lehman Brothers $600 billion fail, or the Finova Capital $15 billion fail, or the Bernie Madoff $18 billion fail, or the Elizabeth Holmes $10 billion fail. Ultimately, we have to talk about Tesla, an organization that has lost almost $700 billion in market value in this past year, which is the equivalent of three Disneys, four Nikes, or six Starbucks, or more than the entire value of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. When we look at that, we wonder, what is the richest man in the world thinking? What's he banking on to bring this back? Blockchain and authentication, which can't be done without a world authenticated global computer operated with a B-cert inside. Don't count Elon out. He bet the farm in 2008. Musk's worst year ever before now was saved by NASA. According to an article, the space agency offered Musk $1.5 billion in contracts two days before Christmas. On Christmas Eve, Tesla investors agreed to bet more money and both capital sources created a new history a company that could stand to drop $700 billion in value and keep running. That is the Modigliani-Miller theorem at work. Trust is the foundation of all business, especially digital business. Authentication is the future of the internet. Twitter knows it. Companies are finding out that without authentication and trust, there is no logical foundation capital. That's trustonomics. It can't happen any more than computers could have evolved without a microprocessor, the programmable token, evolving for secure virtual spaces in Web 4.0. In my next podcast, we're going to put all this together what are the fundamentals shaping Web 4.0, the way the world will look in the next five years with the multi-trillion dollar evolution? What all this means in terms of the next generation of business? We'll talk about Warren Buffett, why his analogy of buying farmland or apartment buildings relate to what the future is going to be, and why he said, if you told me you own all the Bitcoin in the world and you offered it to me for $25, I wouldn't take it because what I do with it, I'd have to sell it back to you one way or the other. It isn't going to do anything. Bitcoin isn't, but blockchain is going to change the way the world and business is done. Thank you. I'm Tim Vasco, founder of BlockCerts.com and the secure virtual space technology. This is Trustonomics.
This podcast is based on information, research, and articles discovered through a search by the author. Full accuracy cannot be assured. The views and ideas in this audio are those of the author, making reference to materials reviewed. Observations and opinions are not intended as advice and should not be construed in any manner, are solely the expression of thoughts by the author. All information is copyright reserved by the creator of this podcast.